0: Learning death is not the end of the new flesh. flesh. I was hoping you'd be back. Welcome to the New Flesh Podcast. My name is Brett Arnold at Brett Redacted on Twitter.
1: It's Joe Avella. Follow us on Instagram, New Flesh Podcast. And this is a horror movie podcast about horror movies and all things tangentially related to the horror lifestyle. Today, me and Brett are going to be talking about the indie, very hyped on the internet horror film that just came out by our boys, Radio Silence, or at least two of them. I thought it was four total. Two, possibly all of the Radio Silence yeah, guys. I think a movie it's
0: no. at least two, and then there's, I think, a third that's like a producer on it or something. I'm not yeah. quite sure how many Radio Silence members are there, and I actually didn't know this was a Radio Silence movie until that title credit came up. Uh, yeah, which is it said like.
1: So if you didn't hear me, I said ready or not. That's what we were watching. And yeah, I, I saw, I think it said a, a radio silent, produced by Radio Silence or Radio Silence film. And then maybe they've just fallen into like these two guys direct, this other guy produces. I'm pretty sure it was four of them.
0: Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. But this, the writing and directing credit on this, I think is two guys. And then I think, yeah, there's a third Radio Silence person who's a producer. And I just. I don't know. I feel like I I would have been more inclined. It's three guys. To, oh, it's okay, three guys: great.
1: Matt Matt Benettoni,li Dash Open and Tyler Gillet, who I believe are the ones who directed this. Yes. And there's a third one, Chad Venezuela, who I will see uh, what he does. I think he might be more of a. Yes, I mean they all says they're all actor, writer, producer, directors. So maybe it's just like a. Like, uh, the three of them figure it out each time. Well, yeah, no, actually, this, I, what, this one what was, that? like, a Fox
0: yeah. Searchlight release, and, like, maybe the way that company works, they're like, well, we only want, you know, two. we only want to pay two directors, so figure mm, out who's maybe getting that. what credit. I don't know.
1: Well, knowing nothing about how Hollywood works, <laughs> I, uh, I would assume that they would have to, like, pitch this thing, and they probably pitched it, like, directing duo and then the movie was written by, wasn't written by them. So right there it's like, you know, you, you just, you just don't, I don't think it's like a band where it's like, Hey, radio silence, make us a movie. I think they got to pitch it. And probably the two of them, you know, they have this project. I'm sure there's a bunch of projects in development of different combinations. And this one just kind of went also, maybe all three of them are working on it. And it's kind of like, you know, you got to arbitrate for all of your, uh, for all of your credits. So maybe it was just easier to be like the two of them.
0: I don't know. I don't know, but we saw the movie. Joe saw a movie in theaters in 2019. Congratulations. I can't believe it. Can't yeah, believe it. Um, yeah you're, you're one of the eh, not that many people that saw it this weekend. We'll talk about the box office numbers at the end. But uh, it's okay. definitely a low budget affair. A lot of people are having fun talking about this being a Disney movie and how Samara Weaving is technically maybe a Disney princess now because. Oh, this, this, I yeah. love that. Yeah, this Fox really, Searchlight release is one of the. Um, by the way, yeah,
1: budget budget was six mil, and this weekend it made ten. So. Yeah,
0: so it's all it's doing. Wow, it's this decent. movie this movie was only six million.
1: Yeah, I can't and I believe that.
0: Think that it's the least expensive movie that Fox searchlights ever made. And also like the widest release one of their movies has ever gotten. Fox searchlight is one of those like artful arms of like a a studio. You know what I'm saying? Like how, uh, I feel like a lot of major studios like Fox have like a side arm. Like Sony has like stage six, I think it's called or in (laughs) Sony's pictures classic. So like, there's all these like arms that put out, you know, Fox Searchlight stuff is probably more likely to get Oscar nominations than, like, a regular Fox movie. So it is notable, I think, that Fox Searchlight made a horror movie like this for $6 million. It is a 100% Blumhouse-influenced decision. Yeah. For sure. You know, if I –
1: I know it's a couple weeks old at this point, but I know CBS Films has pretty much cut everybody. And then because of Disney's terrible performance, they're cutting a lot of stuff at Fox. Is there still – A Fox Searchlight films, or is that already over?
0: Um, I mean, they're technically at the moment still is. And I remember in that long-winded article, either from two weeks ago or a week ago, where they kind of detailed everything that Disney's doing in terms of Fox properties, Fox Searchlight was touted as one that they're kind of hopeful for. But the Mm. example they used was like that Taika Waititi horrible looking uh, comedy, I think, called Jojo Rabbit. Which is about a kid. Is it, who is it has, the Hitler like, one? Yeah, it's the one where a kid ha- is, for some reason, his imaginary friend is Hitler, and it's supposed to be this like goofy, irreverent comedy. But man, I've seen that trailer in theaters three times now, and every yeah. time, three different sold out audiences have not even like chuckled at it. It's just felt. It, it looks I've never really seen a, yeah. yeah. I've never seen a trailer fall flat like that. Yeah. The trailer, like, I love Taika. I think he's hilarious. I'm actually just now finishing season one of What We Do in the Shadows, and it's brilliant and so funny. But uh, I just think if Disney's putting all their eggs in the Fox Searchlight basket, and that's because they're somehow hopeful for JoJo fucking Rabbit, they are in for (laughs) a rude awakening. That movie's not only going to bomb, it's going to just... It's going to, no one's going to see that movie and it's going yeah, to, like, yeah, I don't
1: know. I feel like for that they've, uh, they've misunderestimated, well, this would be the second time I think a major studio has misunderestimated, mm-hmm. uh, how famous someone attached to these Thor movies are because didn't, because obviously Takiki T- he at least wrote and directed Thor Ragnarok, correct? And he's going to be yes. making the next one. Yes. Yes. So hey, amazing talent. The guy's a great writer, great director, and I've seen him in interviews. He's incredibly charming. But for this movie, it's like, hey, he's starring in it. And it's kind of like, well, who cares? Yeah, who
0: is Taiko Watsiti to like the American moviegoer? I mean, what Chris
1: Helmsworth is Thor, and then he starred in that new Men in Black movie, and it's like, hey, we got Chris Helmsworth. And it's like, no, it's like he's not Thor. He's like, we not like Thor, yeah,
0: he's not the draw. Exactly. Yeah, it yeah, was a the huge draw. miscalculation. Uh Yeah, so to answer your question, is Fox Searchlight still around? Yes, but not for long, would be my guess. Well, I think it would be so, wouldn't
1: it be so funny if the Radio Silence guys are the ones that save Fox Searchlight? It would
0: be ironic in a lot of ways, I feel like, especially because we had this whole conversation about the hunt and how the politically charged atmosphere that got the hunt canceled. and. I'm. I haven't actually read the script for the hunt yet. I know we actually we. I know I cut out the part last week where we joked about that we have it, but we do have the script for the hunt, and we haven't read it yet. But I think it's hilarious that Ready or Not is definitely yep. as yep. pointed I, and politically yep. crazy as uh-huh. Fox News or whoever thought the hunt would be. Like Ready or Not that is, is so that movie. funny. Yeah. That
1: just shows how like. How like stupid and susceptible people are to like just hearing like the basic synopsis or something. I was thinking that when I was watching this, I'm like, man, it's like two weeks later, and here we have uh, a uh, you know ma- the deadliest game of all is man, and, uh, and it's you know, literally, people, uh, yeah, it's literally a class
0: warfare thing, yeah,
1: yeah, because they make a point. There'll be minor spoilers in our in our episodes. So about says right now, like they make a point early on for this girl to be like, she's an orphan, she's a foster, she has no family. This is gonna be her family now, and just like kind of like all but laying out like, yeah, if we killed you, no one would notice, and we're so rich and powerful that we'd get away with it. And like, and I think what's interesting is is that like, I mean, I can't, I don't know if the people who are outraged about the hunt even know about this movie, but they don't. They made don't because Fox News two weeks didn't catch wind of it. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah but, I, I, Like you had mentioned that what people had a problem with, um, the hunt is like, it's like rich liberals hunting what would be considered like poor conservatives. But that, if people would think about it, makes liberals look terrible. Yes. <laughs> but I think that people are so dumb. They don't, it's, it wasn't like, oh no, we're going to look terrible because of like what this movie's saying. They just saw liberals hunting conservatives and they're like, no, can't do it. Even though in this one is like rich people hunting a poor person they're like well as long as it's a rich white family and i think i'll be rich someday that's fine you know what yeah, i mean like they didn't like i think it's so funny like i think it's the conservatives really, yeah. it's rich conservatives like are the ones doing the hunting they're like no that's fine no we don't care what the movie's saying that it look bad just we're so stupid we don't understand context we just see the rich people with the guns doing the hunting we're fine with that
0: yeah i think it's definitely a context issue and also, just like a... Like, The Hunt's... I think even Jason Blum came out and the director of The Hunt came out and said, yeah, like, I don't necessarily agree with the marketing choices we made with this movie. Like, that The, the Hunt, I'm pretty sure, just had those, like, hyper-real, like... Uh, I don't know how to describe it. Like, viral marketing that was like, hey, we're pretending, like, this Hunt event is a real thing. And uh, that's what like our marketing purge. campaign is. And I think, yeah. you know, If Ready or Not had had that marketing campaign that's the movie that would have been canceled it's just like
1: yeah they made this yeah. they made this look like more like the the wedding night from hell
0: yeah they didn't the, the the trailer masked kind of the well you know what i haven't seen the trailer i've closed my eyes I did. during the trailer a hundred times to be
1: honest I didn't even make that connection until I was watching this movie. So the, the trailer did from my recollection made a good point of being like, she's joining this wealthy family
0: and they it's have a the crazy wedding. tradition. Yeah. And
1: they're going to do a thing. And basically he's like, you gotta hide. And then they, they did a lot of, uh, a lot of clips of her kicking ass too. Oh, cool. Uh, so they, Yes, I think I made it. Like you know, there's so many comparisons we can draw in this movie to Your Next, and it does have that feeling of like as we saw in this movie and also in Your Next, the uh, the dams the damsel in dis- is is in distress for I don't know 20 minutes. I mean, she she she, she takes to you know fighting yeah. back and kicking some ass pretty early in this movie, which is great.
0: Yes, uh, we're talking a lot about that movie. Let's uh, table it for until the end uh, for now. Uh, what table. else is going on? How's your week going? Uh,
1: pretty good mo and i are gearing up she's gonna be leaving for chicago on friday uh we're getting ready because we're gonna be going to do shoot the pilot in uh in about two weeks you're gonna Excited run up
0: against that. the production of Candyman, which is now shooting in chicago
1: <laughs> i'll keep an eye on for those uh for the production uh for the production trucks <laughs> you're gonna be near uh, cabrini we'll be green like. <laughs> uh, and, and you mean the vacant lot where cabrini yes. <laughs> green once stood? actually no we won't but that's pretty funny <laughs> to be like and you know why we wouldn't film there because it's like uh so expensive now that we get kicked out in two seconds. Right, the irony. <laughs> yeah, it couldn't be less dangerous to walk around that area <laughs> now. Uh, that's pretty much it. You know, lots of work stuff. I got family in town. I think starting today, I think they're flying in, so I'm trying to work out the details of spending time together. And of course, it's a huge pain in the ass.
0: Of course, but, it uh, is. We'll see.
1: Um, yeah, not much else going on. What have you been up to?
0: Um. Not a lot. We just cleaned the apartment this weekend because we had it in a while, and it looks really great. So that's nice. Uh, we some went adult stuff. Some adult stuff, and not adult stuff. We went to a Mandy's friend's party last night, like in the suburbs, like way up on the okay. metro north. And uh, not not way up, like half an hour up on the metro north. And it was yeah. like some girl's thirtieth birthday party, but it was billed as like a, a high school house party. So we all like, yeah. were supposed to dress the way we dressed in high school, which to me. That's I pretty just, good. Yeah, I just wore like a literal. I, like, you were hey. wearing that jacket. Yeah, pretty much. I, I have a yeah, yeah, as yes, t-shirt that's from like 2007. I was like, yeah, this will work. Uh, but there was some really funny like, you know, just to see like 30-year-olds show up. There were a couple of people who were older, so their high school experience was like different. Like someone showed up looking like a member of The Cure. It was so funny. That's great. I love that. Yeah, it was really that- fun. And then Mo did that
1: for her. What was that party at to when we first started dating? Everyone came like they were sixteen. That was my birthday. Yeah, but what, what, what it was it wasn't your 16? sixteenth birthday. birthday. How many years? So her 26th uh, <laughs> birthday was her 10th – it was the 10th anniversary of her 16th birthday. So everyone dressed how they were when they're 16. Yeah, I have a vintage Pearl Jam shirt that I actually <laughs> owned when I was 16. I bought when I was 14 and I still have it. It's completely destroyed, so I wore that. Yeah, that is funny because people got to get a window into like, people's personalities. Yeah, I, do, were, uh, I did enjoy
0: that. Um, what else happened? Um, uh, I think that's it. I don't know what else Right, to let's happen. get into it, yeah. buddy.
1: We got so much horror movie news to talk about. Yeah, let's do that. So, uh, so theme song, like, ooh, the horror news, what's going on in the world of horror? We're gonna talk about it. Bits and pieces.
0: All right. That was a good I'm one. some
1: lyrics. Put some lyrics, lyrics in there. Yeah, I like
0: know? it. Music and lyrics. Like it. It's beautiful. Um. What do you got? Biggest news of the week. We reported on this, like, months ago, but... We also reported that Bloody Disgusting took down the post, so we didn't know if it was true. It has now been officially confirmed. Oh, no. Into the Dark. Into the Dark is renewed. It's coming back. (laughs) Season two, baby. And now, technically now, well, yeah, I guess it always was Disney owned. But yeah, Hulu and Blumhouse are heading back to Into the Dark. The Disney run streaming service has ordered a second season of the Blumhouse. TV-produced horror anthology. Um, I think it was set to be done in October. Uh, Hulu has ordered nine more episodes of Into the Dark on top of the 15 it previously greenlit. I didn't realize there were 15 uh, greenlit already. I thought it was just 12. But I guess we already had a bunch left. And now we get nine more. And here's what uh, Blumhouse TV co-presidents have to say. What we want to replicate is the kind of the filmmaker-driven vision for the films, We've brought Hulu filmmakers who are vision-first, script-later, and they have been unbelievable partners in letting us build what this collection. What does that mean,
1: vision-first, script-later? That's weird. That's like <laughs> that's like something can... someone says when they're like in film school. I'm a vision-first. Hey, this thing's pretty poorly written. Well, What can I say I'm vision-first, script-second? Like, <laughs> ugh.
0: Don't say that. Uh, Hulu's VP of content devel- development said, Blumhouse's deep roots in the horror genre and their commitment to showcasing up-and-coming te- artists has translated into a devoted audience for the monthly franchise. While Hulu doesn't relieve specific viewing data, he said, uh, Into the Dark allows us to super serve one of the most engaged and passionate audiences we have. So this kind of gets to what we were talking about probably the last time we talked about Into the Dark, which is that I muse to you that a colleague of mine who writes for RogerEbert.com mentioned that, he offhandedly mentioned, well, I know these movies must be doing well because... There's no articles on the website that get more traffic than when I review wow. Hulu, Blumhouse, Into the Dark. That movies. is amazing. And that data tracks with our podcast. Whenever we do an episode on it, those episodes tick a little higher than the other ones. So people are watching <sighs> these things, which is cool. But man, like I hope they nail it on the second go through and like make them just better <laughs> because. Yes, we're all here and we're all watching them, but like how many of those people are going to stick around if the quality doesn't improve?
1: That I mean, it feels like American horror story kind of vibes where it's like it's so popular online, yet everyone who I don't know anyone who likes it or watches it, but people are like, yeah, there's a, there's a whole subculture of people who absolutely love these things. I I don't get it. Like I really don't understand. I think maybe it's because, you know, just in general whatever's new is always popular it's just the basis of all entertainment you know the the, the most the most rented the most streamed the most listened to music is different every week right it's not the same album over and over again or the same movie so it's just a fact that like a new horror movie every month works because people are like oh it's another one like this kind of like it's like they yeah.
0: well we do it because we have this podcast i guess if we didn't yeah. At this point, I wouldn't keep watching them because they're so disappointing. I would know
1: enough to be like the, qual- the to know like the brand yeah. is bad. If they started releasing these without Into the Dark on it, I would at least start playing it until they kind of,
0: you know what I mean? Like if they just took the Into out, the Dark yeah.
1: series Like oh wait a second, yeah, but like, well, this, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe the month is the perfect time to be like you release it, people watch it, they're not that into it, and then. Twenty-nine days pass and a new one comes up and they're like, Oh yeah, this thing. It's like the Oscars. Every time the Oscars come around, everyone's like, oh man, last year's totally sucked. This is gonna be the year. And then the next day everyone's like, well, that sucked. It's like, yeah. yes, it's never been good. It's never good. This I, this was a human nature just to forget that, yeah, that you didn't like it.
0: I think that's I think there's something to that. This Vulture article announcing this season two has a lot of details that I hadn't heard before. Um, So while installments of Into the Dark feel like feature films or TV or well-done TV movies, it says, uh, debatable, Uh, each one is shot in about three weeks and is made with a, quote, television infrastructure. That means they're produced more like TV, and Gold says that the strategy will continue with season two. The next slate will similarly stagger topical stories with installments that are just plain old horror madness. The idea Mm. is diversity of entertainment within the collection rather than sameness. We lean into the fact that it's a fun experience to come every month and you don't quite know what's coming rather than seeing something expected. Uh, this mm-hmm. episode goes on to tout, uh, or this article says, the best episodes have been rooted in allegory, it talks about New Year, New You and Culture Shock, it talks about Nacho Vigolando, and talks about um, how, the, you know, they sometimes have debut filmmakers And uh, Blumhouse TV operations are separate from the company's features division, but the, quote, relationship sharing across department aims to integrate filmmakers into the greater (sighs) Blumhouse network. Whatever. uh, Which which has already happened a couple of times with uh, New Year, New You, Sophia Tikal, who's doing the Black Christmas, the surprise Black Christmas remake that's happening, which I'm super excited about. And yeah, then, but that, yeah. I
1: don't, I, I don't, I don't buy that she's doing it because she did this. The star's already rising. is well, I think one of they, the many yeah. projects she really has.
0: Yeah, I think, I think for, the, I think on their end, to them that was like a, like a, what do you call it? Like a test job. Like if you do this well, we'll give you the movie. And they, well, I
1: wonder because yeah. if Black Christmas is coming out this Christmas, they're probably shooting it. I think they're this quickly
0: year. doing that one too. I'm pretty sure they uh, hastily uh, did that. I mean, I, I remember Sophia DeCalk saying how quickly the other one came together, and I wouldn't be surprised if right after they're like, "Yeah, let's do a re- let's do this real movie." Uh, so that's exciting. And then Gigi Saul Guerrero, who did Culture Shock, which we thought was okay, is directing an episode of The Purge next season. Um, oh yeah. In addition to developing another project for this for Blumhouse, uh, we all spend a lot of time talking about where we can double down on artists together. It's actually a goal and a focus, not just a happenstance thing. And uh, one other thing they mentioned in this article is that the Blumhouse TV team is looking into quote quasi sequels for fan favorite characters. Are there fan favorite characters? What are they? Would love to know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dude, I couldn't name a character.
1: Puka? What was it? That yeah, that's the yeah, one Puka. I got. This uh, is puka. Oh god. <laughs> this, this is, is you re- know what this is this what? is like this is just this just reads like a thing where like you got Blumhouse plus Disney plus Hulu you know all the all these conglomerates just basically being like hey this is one of the many things that it gets enough views and enough people subscribing to keep it going. You know everything you just said there like we're going to do this we're going to do that just sounds so corporate PR Yeah you know, very very, uh, specific terms that don't mean anything like we're going to be doing this and offshooting that and we want to bring in other filmmakers. It's television budget, but with like a movie uh, vision and, you know, (laughs) vision first, script second, like what fucking ever, man? Like this is just all this work to create such mediocre crap, especially because the
0: ones that try to say something are often the ones that are the most grating, like the ones that are just horror are the ones that are most fun, I think.
1: I feel like the one, the most tolerable one was the school spirit one up until like the 30 minute ending of it. But like, just like, yeah, fine. A sl- just do a slasher movie. Yeah, I great, already no. forgot
0: that that was the one for this month. I couldn't think about <clears throat> what it was. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty forgettable. But, right. you know, here, here's to more podcast content into the dark. Well, season two. Allow
1: me to segue into something that is not forgettable and actually something that I am surprisingly excited about Hmm. anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I pretty much gave up on star Wars like four years ago. I think whichever one was the one, the first standalone, I think rogue one is what it was called. Yeah. I walked out of the theater. I'm like, I don't want to see any more star Wars after that. It, It just felt like, okay, we're at, we're at peak, Star Wars corporate. I mean, I always had a problem with it. Every time a Star Wars movie comes out, everything in the world has a Star Wars logo on it. You know, I hate people who say that they're nerdy because they like Star Wars. It's the most, the popular, most popular thing, thing on
0: earth. Yes. You know what I mean?
1: It's, it's just enough is enough with Star Wars. The Disney Plus streaming platform is coming out. I'll probably get it. I'm interested in what they're doing as a fan of movies and also a fan of like, (laughs) I don't know, uh, corporations just flexing their muscle. I think the Disney Plus streaming service is just going to fucking be phenomenally successful. And two days ago, the trailer for what I believe is the first... Star Wars live action TV show live yeah. action show came out it's the Mandalorian direct at least directed and probably produced by Jon Favreau who people don't realize has all the money in the world now this trailer dude, 10 million views on YouTube in 2 days and i have to say the show looks real good this it is what yeah really
0: awesome this is what i've wanted the movies to be since yeah. the prequels because as someone who grew up playing like what's that N64 game Shadow of the Empire Like, that's the kind of shit I was into, and that's what this movie looks like.
1: It looks really
0: awesome. Or the show, excuse me.
1: Yeah, the show. Yeah, it's great this could be a show. Yeah, it looks really badass. I guess I could see... Disney not wanting to make a movie like this because they got to get the four quadrants. But as a show, I think this thing's gonna rip, dude. I, and what's this the premise? Enough? Just
0: like bounty hunter guy running around. I got
1: it. I'll, I'll read you the details right now on uh, on the YouTube. After the stories of Django and Boba Fett, another warrior emerges. Another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe. The Mandalorian, in quotes, is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. We follow the trivials, the trivials of law lo- of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy far from authority of the New Republic. Okay. So we just got... I mean, it sounds like they can't do a Boba Fett story because they don't want to do it in the universe when Boba Fett was around. But I think they're just doing... This movie looks like what we all thought Boba Fett was doing yes. before the prequels came on. And we kind of saw it and we're like, well, this looks kind of well, lame or whatever. Yes,
0: and it's like they announced and then quickly unannounced after the bomb that was Han Solo movie. But yeah. there was going to be that... James Mangold directed Boba Fett movie and maybe they just yeah. decided it was too sip like they're just gonna morph that into this and it would be yeah. better for them for for their platform streaming platform
1: from what I understand the background of, of Boba Fett is and I'm sure all the geeks listening are gonna just roast us but this is what I understand the Mandalorians were a type of, of fighter and Boba Fett was either a rogue one or a guy who got the suit, right? Isn't that what we saw in the prequels in the Clone Wars? Those clones they're making were like the Mandalorians and the, and Boba Fett was a rogue one because they eventually were killed by the Jedis and yada, yada, yada. Is that I'm going to go with, the, yeah,
0: because I have no idea.
1: <laughs> right. So it looks like this one's in after that where someone picked up the suit because it's a badass suit and is going around killing people or, or getting vengeance for something. I don't know. It looks awesome. You know, we keep talking about how Disney's Purchase of Fox – and vice land or vice has been a huge financial blunder for them But man they are they they know their audience and i think this they think this disney plus thing is going to really take over they're they're just going to go lights out on s- distributing their stuff streaming anywhere else except disney plus and they're going to be putting out shows like this they can use this as a way to experiment with what people want because as we've talked about the Netflix model, if people haven't listened or, or knew this, Netflix found that the best thing they could do is go two seasons on a show because financially it's good for them. One or two seasons brings new subscribers in, and then seasons three and on doesn't bring in new subscribers, and also that's when they start paying people more money so they can go up oh, two seasons. We got we got the subscribers, and we're just moving on to something else, which is shitty, but I think Disney is going to be using all that and all the data they have of knowing what people want and don't want to, to just stack their Disney Plus streaming service. Uh, you know, we saw they were doing a new Star Wars movie every year. They announced they're not doing that anymore because I think they realize they can make more they're money with Disney Plus. they their
0: brand, yeah. And why make one movie
1: when they can put out three shows and bring in ten times as many people who are going to... Why one $10 ticket a year versus $10 every month? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no, so, it's smart. Um, pretty ridiculous. In addition, how, how, how ridiculous yeah. in addition to Star Wars, the Mandalorian announcement... Disney announced a ton of other shit. I'll just read through this press release. (laughs) High School Musical, The Musical, The Series is a thing. Lady and the Tramp, straight to Disney Plus movie uh, with real rescue dogs made to talk. Looks weird. Uh, It's a movie called Noel with Anna Kendrick and Billy Eichner. There's a show Mm -hmm. called The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Which comes from National yeah. Geographic, which I guess they own that's, too. I don't know. That's so funny. Yeah. That's so
1: funny. I bet they're just gonna treat it like a nature documentary, but they're following Jeff Goldblum around.
0: Dude, he is so insane. I I didn't know so he was weird. so kooky. But like that video went viral this weekend of him. <laughs> Did you see that?
1: Yeah, I would tell about like as so of the, the yeah. The, someone the asked
0: thing. Jeff Goldblum about the Spider Man controversy. Speaking of news this week, Spider Man is question mark maybe. Out of the MCU and back at just Sony like it was before they had that deal. Uh, Anyway, someone told Jeff Goldblum that on on the red carpet for D23. And his reaction (laughs) is so weird and so funny. He's so, he's so befuddled. And I've heard people... Who've seen, who've met him, and watched that video? Go. You may think he's like playing for the camera or being weird, but like that's how he talks to people. Like that's yeah. just how I've I've heard that's just how he interacts. Like the way. What a
1: great what a great idea for a show. Yeah. Just in general, I'm, I'm, now that I'm paying a little more attention to like reality TV and stuff, and we'll get into that in, a little bit later. Just you know, but also like because of my job and always looking for like what is trending and what's popular, and you know, kind of like nonfiction type shows. If if you if if you can find and get a deal with like a, a celebrity who's like weird for real, yeah, th- these shows can last forever. I mean, this show that they're gonna do of him, just following the supermarket and him talking to people, like that. That's just thirty minutes. Go into a grocery store, Jeff Goldblum, have him talk to people about vegetables. The way it'll be like endlessly fascinating. His,
0: his active listening face is so funny. It's like <laughs> crazy. So true. Um, yeah, they're doing some musical theater show with. Kristen Bell called Encore. I don't know anything about that. Uh, And there's some Toy Story 4 Forky uh, TV show or something coming. Oh, in addition, there's more Star Wars news, even. Uh, What's his name? Ewan McGregor is reprising his role as Obi-Wan Kenobi in another series from Lucasfilm. We know nothing about it yet, other than that. So that's exciting for a lot of fans of the prequels, I guess. Uh, They announced...
1: I don't care about Obi-Wan Kenobi at all. I couldn't care less about his what I he was up to. I think
0: there are people that are nostalgic for the prequels, people mm-hmm. that are around my age who grew up with them and don't realize they're horrible. I don't know. Uh, but uh, they announced so many things, and there's also a third Star Wars project with Alan Tudyk and uh, some other guy. I've never heard of. Mm-hmm. Oh, Diego Luna and Alan Tudyk as Cassie and Andor and K Two S O from Rogue One. Uh, they're doing another show. Don't know anything about it. Uh, there's the Clone Wars Star Wars animated shows coming back. People really like mm-hmm. that show. Uh, what if the Marvel Studios upcoming animated series uh, that highlights different heroes from the MCU and imagines what would happen if the events in the films had turned out differently. Um, how a single choice can branch out infinite realities. I think that's probably the most interesting of the Marvel comic book stuff for me, because that, I think, is just a comic book series that exists that they're adapting, which gives them, like, you know, carte blanche to do whatever the fuck they want with any character, because it's like, this is outside of the universe, so we can do whatever we want, and I think that's fun. Yeah. And it's animated, so I don't care that much. Um, And then, yeah. Loki is a TV show, just with Tom Hiddleston. I think that's the most interesting thing here is that Disney is like, these are sure. These are TV shows, but they're like pulling their A-list talent to do it. Mm-hmm. And they're all doing it. So it doesn't feel like they can pay yeah, them. What's exactly. what they want, um, there's something called Wanda vision, which is vision and Wanda from the Avengers. I haven't been watching these movies. so I don't know what those are about. There's a monsters Inc. TV show, uh, uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I, I think that's a live-action Marvel Comics TV show. There's so many things. Stargirl, Diary of a Female Present. Just Google D23 Expo and read about all that. Uh, and I will quickly say there's a rumor on com, who occasionally get scoops right. They're saying that Disney, now that they have Alien, they're planning an Alien-like uh, reboot and that yeah
1: you, wait good question i i i got this yeah bloody disgusting no wait where is it i have this thing open up damn it well we're hearing Langs. from
0: sources uh they're hearing from sources the same ones who correctly revealed that aladdin and sequel was in the works that disney is poised to reboot yeah uh, there we the alien and that the obvious route would be to do a loose remake of the original which i think is a horrible idea but then this article mm-hmm. goes on to say, well, maybe they could do the Blumhouse thing and just do like a Halloween style sequel that ignores other sequels. But this article is all just speculation and just says, we're just kind of believing that this person is right. But I mean, why wouldn't they? Alien is a huge franchise. Yeah. They're going to do something. And
1: why, with it. why does it have to be this beginning, middle and end story? It's just yeah. put the alien someplace else in space yeah another group of people another another space station another like you know i mean like there could be so many yeah they're always perplexing about the alien franchise it's always like adding on to the storyline that revolves around ripley and, and and you know before and after and all and all that stuff like even mm-hmm. I guess I guess going all the way back to um, Prometheus, which I did not really care for, you know, try to reboot, even though it's like profoundly confusing for no reason. And then goes in the kind of alien covenant, which I didn't like either. But I know you liked. Yes. So why, you, you know, why does it always have to be the, the same sort of people or storyline? Like make it like, you know, this murdering, killing alien. I you mean, know, I'm,
0: yeah, I'm God. all about the weird r- direction that Ridley's pulling it. Um, but I don't disagree that like there is a more commercially viable option like Prometheus and Alien Covenant. They, I'm, I'm sure they both made money in spite of the fact that they're like these quote unquote thinking man's blockbustery things. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I I said quote unquote. I mean yeah. they're, they're they're just more ambitious than like this is a pick 'em off horror movie. And I do think like they could be just, you know, pick them off horror movies and maybe, I don't know, half the fans would be happier. Like, you would. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Yeah, I guess. I, yeah, when I come to them, I'm like, I want to see the aliens do some fucking wild shit. I want to see them stuck in some sort of space location and, and, you know, cool, like, sci-fi stuff and just fighting it out, you know, and defeating it at the end. I'm like, all oh, this stuff about, like, I don't know, the architects of the universe and all this garbage. That's a little I
0: agree. That's a little I I do I I think Ridley kind of pulled it off, but I don't think anyone else could. And I hope he's still involved. But yeah, this franchise could use a paring down to be back to its base elements, or just go like even more sci-fi. Like get some like black holes or like weird like other Mm -hmm. reaches of space shit. Like I do agree that I don't necessarily need these same characters or stories. I just would like to see that Xenomorph character do some stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm with you. you know, we keep
1: talking about the space race is hot now. We got uh, Elon Musk talking about he wants to nuke Mars for whatever reason (laughs) to get it to kickstart it. I don't even know what he's talking about. But, you know, we've got space on the brain. And everyone's talking about wanting to leave the planet because it's, quote, unquote, dying or whatever. But – um. If there, I mean, there's a story for you right there. It's like it's 20 years in the future and Earth is uninhabitable. And thanks to, you know, whatever fake Elon Musk for movie versions, we have we have now gone to Mars and we're setting up shop yeah, there. That's and Elysium.
0: The You're describing right? Elysium and a great right, let's do Ely- yeah. let's do that. Let's do Elysium.
1: <laughs> we we left them. We left Earth to go to another planet. We're trying to get started on Mars. There's a space station there. It's our only hope. Oops, there's an alien. You know Whoops. what I mean? That, yeah, that, that's a good idea for a movie. Somebody do that.
0: Let's do it. New Flesh Productions had- has another. Um, I don't know
1: why yeah. more, more writers or filmmakers don't listen to this podcast. Like every podcast, we come up with a good idea for a movie. <laughs> it's true. Speaking Using of- properties we don't own. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Speaking of good ideas for movies, The they Matrix got- 4 is officially happening with okay, Keanu so Reeves unfortunately, and Carrie Ann Moss and Lana Wachowski. Co-
1: my co-host uh, Brett Arnold has seemed to be suffering some amnesia, which is the Matrix 2 and 3 are garbage amnesia. I mean, I remember having a conversation after seeing the third Matrix in a theater with a friend either I saw it with or had also seen it, and they said, you know, that third Matrix film was so bad it makes me dislike the first one, and I couldn't agree more. No, Those I was going to say did, I was gonna no. say the
0: opposite in that, yes, I remember 2 and 3, and I actually think 2 has some redeemable moments, and I haven't rewatched 3 in its entirety. I think I've... I think I started it when I was doing my rewatch and just kind of forgot about it. Mm-hmm. But I know there are people who defend them, and I'm not, I'm not going to be that person right now. I'm just going to be the person who says, uh, the original Matrix is so groundbreaking and amazing and holds up, and I would watch the movie every day of the week. If I had to pick Like a Desert Island movie, it would probably be that. Uh, so like that, the goodwill of the original Matrix supersedes the bad sequels to me and i'm still excited for the new one but
1: what here's the thing what the sequels pretty much proved to us is you know
0: it was the rest lightning of this, in a bottle, the, the, yeah. You know, I would think more like
1: that. I think the, the first one leaves you with this because he's, like, on the phone. He's like, I'm going to start unplugging people. And, and and after the movie, we're all like, what the fuck was going on with that world? What's, how did we get here? What? W- there? It just felt like there was like endless possibilities for what the movie was implying about how we got here and what these machines are and this and that. And then this unloaded all this crap, all these, like, short films and other things. The and these The matrix Yeah, which I just kind of walked away being like, you know – there was really nothing else interesting going on in that world. I don't. I I, I remember the, like the 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 white dreadlock twins weren't interesting. Uh, they were cool, the ar- but yeah, not the architect thing wasn't interesting. Uh, him being blinded for some reason and be able to like feel the matrix, whatever, like everything else
0: that happened in it. i remember thinking like, oh, I don't, I don't care about this. this rubbery isn't... Keanu, the CGI rubbery Keanu. Yeah, from yeah, the yeah. Too. And then the,
1: when, when, he, <laughs> when he fights like a, a thousand Mister Smiths and just, yeah. the whole thing was like. Yeah, I just felt that nothing else in that world really excited me or got me interested. The, the more I learned, the less I liked it. So uh, what's le- I don't even know what's uh, left. That's a good cares? point. Is he gonna be blind in, is he gonna be blind in this one again? Well,
0: I mean, didn't they I don't remember how it ends, but didn't they die? Or didn't Carrie Ann Moss at least die? So I feel like I think there's he good- reached
1: and he like kickstarted her heart. That was what made no sense in the real world in the quote real world of destroyed Earth, you know, like they had to fight the machines for real, and then we found out that he actually had powers in the real world to stop machines, so now suddenly he is somehow connected to the machine machines for whatever even in the human world but then he was able also save her life like he was able to jumpstart her heart
0: i bet he died what yeah i thought he died too um i i bet what they're gonna do or unless they do a prequel or something i think what they're gonna do is do like a Indiana Jones 5 or whatever it was for passing of the torch to another generation well people assume that he was passing the torch to Sia LaBeouf in that movie and maybe this one will be like a Keanu Reeves finding the next the one because or maybe yeah, I'm just wishful yeah. thinking because i was trying to think of what I like about these about the Matrix and what I want from a sequel mm-hmm. and I get, I'm like yeah half of the first movie is like just Neo learning about what the Matrix is and that's the most compelling shit like, just, like, this guy plucked from the real world learning about this world and, like, the, like, bug-in-the-stomach thing that happens and, like, the jumping-off-the-roof that happens. And, like, all that stuff is the most compelling. And then, the re- you're right, the sequels are like, here we are, we're in the Matrix, you know what it is, and it's definitely much less interesting. So...
1: what's So uninteresting.
0: So what's the way around that? I don't know. I think they have to do something in the real world... That's more compelling. I don't know. I have no idea. All I know is it's happening. Only one <laughs> Wachowski uh-huh. is involved, which is interesting to me. I don't know what the other one's doing, or maybe they're just like not doing stuff at right the moment. But Lana I Wachowski,
1: what, I, I don't even know what either of them are even doing anymore. Last I heard, they did what was it? Sensei, uh,
0: that Netflix oh, thing, right?
1: No, but they put out they put out two movies since then. They Jupiter did Jupiter Ascending Cloud
0: Al- and Cloud Atlas. That hasn't been since then. That's those two definitely happened Sense8 before Sense It did, but um, maybe Jupiter Ascending happened after. But Cloud Atlas was definitely before. Yeah,
1: dude, uh, Sense Eight. There was only two seasons.
0: Well, I guess that it was, like, ended recently, uh, last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last year. Yeah, and they had like a movie special or something. Uh, but yeah, Lana Wachowski. This and this Lily. just this just felt inevitable. Um, due to I think we even talked about it on the podcast like last year because. Uh, Keanu Reeves is having a moment like it's very it he just is like John Wick is somehow like the biggest franchise happening today he was in Toy Story 4 he was in that Netflix movie with Ali Wong he showed up in he just is like a cultural touchstone again for some yeah. reason so it was obvious to me that this was going to happen Um and I I don't know I'm still happy about it and the one thing that's just thing is that they haven't they they announced Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss are back, but they didn't say anything about Lawrence Fishburne. And it's like, Lawrence Fishburne's around. What's he doing? Get him in there.
1: Did he die in the show? I don't remember what he, what happened to him in the I movies. don't remember
0: either. I have to rewatch yeah. the Revolutions. But I don't want to. I want yeah, <laughs> No, speaking they're bad. They're bad they're bad movies. No, the, the Matrix, oh, the Matrix
1: is bad. It was bad.
0: Ah. The fur uh the first Matrix had its twentieth anniversary this year, and uh, AMC AMC baby. Starting Thursday, for an entire week, you can see The Matrix, the original, remastered for the Dolby Theater with new Atme, uh, Dolby Atmos sound, I think. Uh, I am definitely going to see that next weekend. I'm very excited.
1: <laughs> Have fun.
0: Um, I'll rush through these because I want to get to the movie. Uh, okay. Stephen King's The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon is getting a movie from the producer of It,
1: uh, I know nothing about this book. Is this a book or a short story? This
0: is a. I think it's a short story, and it was once to be adapted by George A. Romero, but he never got to do it. Um, oh, well. King. Uh, 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 I guess. I guess it's a novel. King offers a frightening suspense novel about a young girl who becomes lost in the woods as night falls on a six mile hike on the main New Hampshire branch of the Appalachian Trail. Nine-year-old Trisha McFarlane quickly tires of the constant bickering between her older brother and her recently divorced mother. but When she wanders off by herself and then tries to catch up by attempting a shortcut, she becomes lost in a wilderness maze full of peril and terror. As night falls, Trisha has only her ingenuity as a defense against the elements and only her courage and faith to withstand her mounting fears. For solace, yeah. she tunes her Walkman to the broadcasts of Boston Red Sox baseball games and follows the gritty performances of her hero relief pitcher Tom Gordon. And when her radio's reception begins to fade, Trisha imagines that Tom Gordon is with her, protecting her from an all too real enemy who is at the trail of slaughtered animals and mangled trees in the dense no, dark woods. Sounds very intricate. A kid's movie. Sounds like uh, an
1: episode of Goosebumps.
0: It sounds long winded, and like they're running out of A plus Stephen King material. You know, <laughs> they're getting. Uh, I mean, there can't be so many amazing books.
1: Here's another one: uh, The Haunting of Hill House writers making horror series for Red Rose for uh, a horror series Red Rose for BBC. I don't know much about it, but The Haunting of Hill House is one of our favorites from last year. BBC usually does really good produced stuff, so it's uh, Michael and Paul Clarkson, who are the twins who wrote uh, and worked on the second season of Haunting of Hill House and uh, Red Rose. Uh, keep an eye out for it. It's yes, gonna be Red eight Rose. Part story. Yeah, go ahead. That follows a group of teenagers from the north town, northwest town of Bolton who download a mysterious app, Red Rose, setting in motion a series of events that takes their town by storm and brings friends together to battle an unseen force of seemingly supernatural entities. That doesn't tell us much about it other than there's going to be an app.
0: Yeah, it's so, uh, uh, teenagers and online horror all about it. Right. Yeah. Uh, we'll what else? The Purge Season 2. Uh second season opens on purge night but dives deeper than ever before into what the purge world looks like the other 364 days of the year. Uh I should, do, I should
1: we should do like a purge binge. I feel like we're missing a potentially good <laughs> binge show.
0: Binge the purge. We have to do a binge yeah. the purge series. Yeah. Uh yeah. Tuesday, October 15th, season 2 starts. Let's try to watch it by then, season 1.
1: Cool. I just signed up for something called Leo or Philo uh on on uh, on Roku and I think it gives me access to a bunch of cable shows so I'm gonna see if uh, I can get the purge on there yeah I'll so, see where uh, that's
0: at I canceled our cable too so I gotta figure out how to watch stuff now <laughs> uh James Wan's brand new horror movie we know it was a uh, tentatively titled Silver Cup last week it was just untitled uh what else do we know now it'll quote mm-hmm. it'll rumor has it it will follow two women on the run from a monster uh, that's all we know. It has a title now. Uh, Robert England says he probably has one more Elm Street left in him. Uh, I s- got one
1: more boat payment. Yeah, help me out here.
0: He said I could do one more probably if you shot me up with vitamin C. But here's the thing, <laughs> I can't do eight more. So we need a new actor that you guys believe in and trust. And he suggests, or he said, Ooh. the rumor I've heard that I like is Kevin Bacon. Kevin loves horror. He's a real actor. He's a character actor. He was great in Tremors. He was great in Stir of Echoes. We need someone like that to take it on.
1: Um, you can't afford Kevin. You can't afford yeah, Kevin. i going say, not I'm a not bad idea Kevin if
0: Kevin is, like, down to take a pay cut and do it. Um, yeah. But I do like the idea that Robert England's finally publicly saying he'll do more. I'm pretty sure in the past he was like, nope, never, I'm done. So I think this means he's following <laughs> the fact that horror is having a moment again And that he can probably cash in pretty good on doing one more. And I think, you know, we're really ripe for a good remake of that, or whatever you want to call it a sequel, a remake. I would love Mm -hmm. for Robert England to be Freddy again. And I would love for it to be some very clever uh, sequel rather than a reboot. I would love to see just another uh, nightmare sequel that, you know, remember how inventive those sequels were? Like, those were really the ones where, like, everyone was like, wow, like, they did this cool video game thing. It's a template. Yeah, Yeah,
1: it it became a template for, like, whatever these serialized horror movies, you know, like, you just see, like, Friday the 13th pretty much, like, going, like, whatever, move for move with uh, with the Nightmare franchise, and Halloween would do it later, but yeah, Nightmare definitely did it the best. By the way, I want to point out that Robert England is 72, my dad is also 72, and I thought of my dad being, like freddy krueger like character and the work that comes into it is like kind of depressing so i don't like what can you really do with freddy at this point as an old man um i understand wears makeup but like what physicality is he really going to do it would be really great if they just but then you can't get somebody else because it's supposed to be this guy like what are they gonna well they did another, it they did it with jack kill Andrew another O'Haley janitor no i mean like oh I, like I they're see. just gonna go like same thing. But into somebody else. New, yeah, no, it new has actor, to be yeah. him. Yeah.
0: I guess it has to be a new... They tried the new actor thing, and I don't know if... It wasn't his fault, but that movie fucking sucked. Uh, yeah. Anyway, more quick quick hits. Uh, this is very exciting for fans of the show. Uh, Lars Klevberg's uh, Polaroid, which was long-shelved <laughs> because of uh, Weinstein debacle, is uh, sure. finally coming out on VOD... On September 17th. So you know we'll be talking about it. Very excited. That movie is actually written by Blair Butler. Who wrote Hellfest. A movie I actually like and recommend. Mm -hmm. Check out Hellfest. Uh, The Polaroid has been described as. The ring meets final destination. So excited. Uh, More hits. Robert Rodriguez is directing. A live action kids movie for Netflix. Called We Can Be Heroes. It's about alien invaders. Kidnapping Earth superheroes, meaning a group of children have to team up to save their parents in the world. He's delving back into the spy kids type stuff. Whatever, whatever, dude. His movies haven't made money in a while. Alita: Battle Angel actually ended up doing okay internationally, mm-hmm. to the point of there might be a sequel, and I liked it enough where I would watch it. So good luck to uh, Robert on that front. He's
1: running the. Yeah, he's running the L Ray Network. I mean, he has his own
0: yeah, TV he's station doing now, his own thing.
1: which is like. So I think. He, yeah, so he's like overseeing now the the production of like t- t- tw- what twelve TV shows. You is that know, that
0: thing's still around. See, he's it is still L. Ray Network? Yeah, well, okay. I know we did the so uh, our, bo- our boy Rodriguez's show. Eating. Yeah, he's he's yep. he's doing fine. Uh, anyway, I think there's a bunch of
1: shows. Yeah, they acquired some stuff, but the original programming was yeah, Dust Till Dawn, and. I don't know. I don't don't know what other talk shows
0: and like reality shows, from what I'm looking at.
1: Yeah, just uh, Matador, Rebel Without a Crew, the series. Oh, what is that? I don't know. (sighs) Sorry, I'll I'll read this later. But wondering, like, because that's his book. His his book is great. I mean, anyone who's interested in like doing film, even though it's a bit antiquated with like the technology, like his Rebel Without a Film Crew book, pretty much like his diary of making El Mariachi, like everything from start to like selling it. It's just a really fascinating read of like. You it's in real time. It's not like he's like being like looking back on it. It's his diary, just you know, verbatim, and you get like into his mindset of of how he was just really excited about not spending money and how creative he was and coming up with ways to get a few dollars here and there and like using his um. His resources to make this movie, and then also like going back and forth to L.A., and at first people were like, ah, whatever, and nobody wants a Spanish language film, and how he kind of luckily just got, got in touch with someone, I think, a Miramax. Uh, I don't know, I, I forget the story, but it's a fascinating read, and it's actually very insp- very inspiring, so if you want to read a good book about making movies, I highly recommend Rebel Without a Film, Rebel Without a Crew, but Robert Rodriguez.
0: Alright, a couple more right. quick hits. Lionsgate nabbed a movie called The Monster, which is being described as a Contemporary horror film with a new take on Frankenstein. Uh, Larry Fessenden did it already. Pick it up. Yeah. Um oh, thanks. But yeah, the monster from Patrick Ness. Look, no, we know nothing about it. Uh, what else? Mm. FX is turning the short horror story, The Bridgewater Triangle, into a series. Uh, the premise is this. Everyone's heard of the Bermuda Triangle, but there's a far more terrifying place known as the Bridgewater Triangle in southeastern Massachusetts. It's an actual area of well-documented supernatural activity that covers 17 small towns and 200 square miles of New England. Uh, The Bridgewater Triangle is an apocalyptic horror thriller set in these small towns. When a massive paranormal event strikes these 17 communities simultaneously, it turns these idyllic towns upside down and affects thousands. Three estranged siblings must somehow survive and come together in the chaos as the only ones who can stop it. Sounds okay. Uh, Stars Man. orders pilot of horror comedy Shining Veil. Vale. Uh, mm. It's uh, it's about a dysfunctional family that moves from the city to a small town into a house in which terrible atrocities have taken place, but no one seems to notice except for Pat, the mom who's convinced she's either depressed or possessed. Turns out the symptoms are exactly the same. Everyone has their demons, But are pats real or is this the portrait of a typical family torn apart by mental illness? Sounds Mm. heavy for a horror comedy, but uh, (laughs) intriguing. Uh, And now I think it is time for a three, a two, Mm -hmm. a one. What did you you watch? watch? Did you watch uh... anything?
1: Yeah, you know, i been watching a lot of a uh, boring, or a lot of a uh, trashy reality TV. I'm I'm pretty much all caught up on X on the beach, and I've been binging the uh, last season of uh, 90 Day Fiance. Dude, so I, were you the one? Yes. Yeah, you started watching a final.
0: I <laughs> was in a hotel. Well, Mandy and I only watched that type of shit when we we're in a hotel room, and we're like, "This is garbage TV. We're gonna watch it." So we watched like eh. hours of 90 Day Fiance, and it's so funny. It's just like. Half of them are just like guys married to some foreign woman who has, who wants nothing to do with them. And they're like pretending like it's a real marriage, but like she's cheating on him the entire time. And it's just like this meek guy being like, babe, like stop talking to, stop texting other American men. And she's like, fuck you. And it's like, what is happening? If you do your
1: research, I mean, you can look it up. It's pretty well documented what happens after all these uh, marriages. They almost all fall. Well, the first couple seasons, there's ones that are still together. I think that they pivoted around season four four or five realizing that like nobody wants to see these like nice christian couples that met on missionaries like you know get married and like have kids and stuff we want to see like the trashy losers and everything fall apart so see the, the season i'm watching now the, the the most it's not i don't think there's a new one on now with the one season is six it the one
0: that's like is, the reverse i forget what it's called it's like, no
1: no no That that's that's a different show it's got 90 day fiance the other way that's what we i'm american yeah so, that's what you've been watching yeah oh uh, this one, just a regular 90 day fiance, like season five had some really unbelievable train wrecks of couples. And now season six they're watching does as well. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, you watch it and you're like, you know, I, I, I used to have a hard time with shows cause I felt it was like exploiting, you know, sad people or people's pain. Like I really don't like that feeling, but for this show and the other one I want to tell you about called X on the beach, I'm like, these people knew exactly what they were doing. They knew what they're up to, uh, you know. I feel the people who are the Americans bringing these girls back or guys back also have their own set of like issues that that have not been resolved. So everyone involved, I'm like, now nah, you're all trash. I have no problem watching all this shit fall apart. Now X uh-huh. on the beach. I'll tell you real quick is a really funny show that Mo and I have been watching the premise is I guess because there's been so many reality dating shows I realize this is not horror movies but I just think it's funny to tell people about it um, This uh, <laughs> it's the show where they get people who've already been on other reality shows mostly ones for like dating or other bullshit so it's you know put them in a house it's on it's on the beach it's like in Malibu whatever and the first level of the show was all these people are single and getting together to look and hook up you know they live in the house they're all making out all this stuff keep drinking and keep flirting and going on dates and, and all this shit to try and get people basically to hook up up and fight and do you know, fight over each other yada 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 but the the uh, caveat to the show is every episode, someone in that house's ex shows up and they're there either to try and get back together or to pretty much just like be the nonstop cock block. So you already have these like volatile, I want to be famous and I also want to hook up with each other people like loser reality show stars and then they're equally loser people from other shows that they hooked up with coming in pretty much trying to create drama and also be like, like commandeer the show it's really funny how fucked up it is. And they just the show I don't want to say it doesn't have any rules, but the show at every episode is trying to set it up to uh, to make it as awkward as possible for everyone in there. Like they have all these rules where like, now you gotta go in a room together, and now you gotta watch these videos of this and that of the, the person who you're here to try and get back together with, make out with someone else, and it's really fucking funny how awful it is. So that's what I've been watching mostly off is trashy reality TV.
0: Okay. Um what have I been watching? I recommend X on the Beach. Okay. Uh, I watched. You know what? I actually saw. Wait, you saw Event Horizon? Have we talked about it? Did we not last week? I don't think so. Oh yeah, I watched the. Yeah, no, we didn't. I watched. I watched Event Horizon and Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula, in the same day. <laughs> like two 90s <laughs> movies I never saw. Um, Dracula was so interesting, like the way it's shot and like. Just the flourishes that Coppola does the whole time of like, there's like shit happening in the backgrounds of images, a lot of like crossfades and like shit mm-hmm. fading into the other. I thought that movie was mostly really, really pretty good. And like, it's kind of weird, right? weird, It's weird that it's, the movie exists. And oh. Keanu Reeves, like, Keanu Reeves being Keanu Reeves in like a period film is so funny because, like, it's, I don't know it just didn't match the setting at all and I thought that was fun yeah fun movie event horizon I really liked um mm, it's great, I just right? thought it's just like just a great premise and like really uh compellingly told uh mm-hmm. really really funny though that like the entire set is like a fake HR Geiger alien set mm-hmm. like the-
1: yeah they take, they take from a lot there's a lot from other sci-fi movies like more popular successful ones yeah um i guess it didn't i guess it didn't do too well at the box office but well it does
0: it does definitely feel like it's a ripoff of so many other things and it came so many years after those things that like yeah yeah I, i see that but i think it works because of like it does have that like creepy horror element when like sam neill starts getting all you know fucked up or whatever towards the end and cuts
1: out his own eyes or whatever yeah
0: like it has these cool flourishes that make it a genre movie but it most is just like it mostly is just like a compelling enough you know cheaply made but still looks pretty good sci-fi movie uh yeah i'm glad i saw it and i understand why you know it's kind of has a cult following among horror fans uh and what else did i watch I also watched The Abyss for the first time. I'd never seen that. I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay. Um, I just. (laughs) I was reading about how horror. I mean, no one likes working with James Cameron. Like, Ed Harris had so much negative shit to say about this, working on this movie. Um, The one thing that's cool about this movie, or really notable, uh, the effects are dated and not really great, but it has like. The pre T two morphing mm-hmm. technology in it, yeah, liquid metal. It. Guy, yeah, yeah, liquid and water, metal. Yeah. it like has that before Terminator did, just kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And then the other interesting element is the idea of being able to breathe through that. Like it's like H two O, but it's more water than like it's like basically liquid oxygen. So mm-hmm. like the people in the movie need to like have liquid oxygen at some points for some reason. Um, I mean, the movie's fine. It has really compelling sequences and really, like, intense portions. But, like, it's, like, a two-hour and 20-minute movie. And that's not even the director's cut that everyone says is better. That one is, like, three hours, I think, or, like, a little longer. So I just think it's kind of a slog. And, like, I didn't – I think I was supposed – I think the theatrical version is notably, like, cuts the relationship up between Ed Harris and the main woman – so it's kind of awkward, yeah. but like that is such a Ma- main Mary point. Eliz-
1: It was a Mary Elizabeth Mas- Mastastriani. Yeah, I think Gosh, so. She's really Italian name.
0: Yeah, so she's like that romance is such a big part of the movie mm-hmm. that I think in that version it just didn't work for me. Um, yeah, I wasn't super compelled by it. I did note a similarity between James Cameron movies in that he is the king of sneaking boobs into pg-13 movies He's uh-huh. in in titanic they're in there and in this movie i mean literally she's dying and he rips off her clothes to save her but i was like nice way to go james cameron sneaking boobs into pg-13 movies kids appreciate it um what else did i see oh a
1: quick side note ed harris almost drowned during yes that movie that's as what well. i was reading
0: about yeah, yeah. crazy So like
1: yeah, I mean, just like – you know, this is the movie he Cameron did before Titanic, correct? Yes. Or no, 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 no. I, th- I think Terminator 2 came out. I mean, technically, well, yes, because, but
0: like right before. I, I mean, right after.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I've heard uh, James Cameron talk about with this movie like uh, the mistake that he felt that he made, which is true because I remember feeling this way from uh, from watching – The abyss is like, I forget what the big set piece is when the aliens finally come out and the big, like, effect of, like, oh, here it is or whatever, like, kind of like in the middle of the movie. (laughs) I mean, but even then, I like, like, let's say it worked then, it's like that happens and then there's still like an hour left. Yeah. Like, like, you feel like, you feel like, you feel like the, 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 uh, the apex of the movie is like somewhere around, in this case, like the two hour mark. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, the, there's no reason to wait to the end of this movie. Like once you kind of like introduces what was at the time, like the cutting edge visual visuals, you're like, yeah, all right. Okay. I got it. Now it's just these people arguing and what's his name freaks out. And that was kind of cool. when he takes the escape pod and it kind of just is sinking. And you see what happens when it implodes. Cause he was like going yeah, down no, to that no, There are
0: portions I really liked, but as a whole, I was like, yeah, this is not top three Cameron movies or anything like that. It was. Fun. Oh no, no, no,
1: no. Yeah, you did Terminator two after that, then true lies, then Titanic
0: um aliens yeah. in there maybe but yeah
1: before I, this is before aliens oh or this is I after it. Um, aliens was like his first like big movie
0: yeah yeah i'm just saying in terms of if we're ranking them i would definitely oh, I'm sorry, not going put order. abyss near the top um no way not at all not even close like towards the bottom it wasn't very good
1: yeah it's not even his top 10
0: no well i don't know if he has 10 does he i don't know um, uh, are we talking about directing yeah i'm talking about directing but that's okay. Let's just
1: do this right now. Just pull up his list right now. He's got 23 <laughs> credits. So what do you think of that? No, well, that's not including director. Avatar. D- director? Yeah, director. Got... Yeah.
0: Well, that's because it's, in- it's including five Avatar sequels. That Yeah, and
1: all the and documentaries that he made, yeah. too. So, so The Abyss, dear, True Lies,
0: uh, Terminator 1 and 2, it's four. Aliens. Aliens, Titanic. five. Avatar, Titanic, it's seven. That sounds and right. And then don't
1: forget Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then Piranha 2, that credit he has from back in the day. Um, yeah,
1: that's so. Uh, yeah, Terminator, Aliens, Terminator Two. True Lies is better than The Abyss, although it's just okay. Um, Avatar is ridiculous. Titanic, people like. Yeah, I think The Abyss is like one of his worst movies.
0: Yeah, it's not that great. Uh, but I did see what I will call my new number one best movie of the year this weekend. Whoa! What was it? Yes, I just saw a screening of Bong Joon Ho's. Uh, palm door winning parasite. Holy shit. It fucking rules. It's so good. Wow. It is like, I think David Ehrlich of IndieWire said in his review that, like, this movie cements that, like, Bong Joon Ho movies are, like, their own genre. And I totally agree mm-hmm. because this movie kind of defies genre labels. I don't know what to call it. It's definitely not horror, it's more of like a Comedy, it's comedy, very dark comedy, but like a kind it, a thriller maybe. I don't even know, but it's distinctly a Bong Joon Ho movie, as only he could make. And it is, I think, it's my favorite of his movies, which is saying something considering wow. Snowpiercer and Memories of Murder. Like I love his movies and. Mother, did, he do, did he do? Did he do Akja? Yes, which I my least favorite, but um, yeah, this movie is it's like another side to the same coin as ready or not. in that it's like, this is a movie about class systems, mm-hmm. uh, but it's done in such a unique and totally, uh, compelling way.
1: Oh, I did the host. I love the host. Yeah.
0: The host rules. Uh, this movie is, it just has, I don't know the film. It's South Korean, but like it tells a very universal story about kind of the rich and the poor. And, uh, it's not horror, but there is one image that is so fucking haunting. I still haven't stopped thinking about it. It's just, like, kind mm. of a random shot that's really scary. And it's just like, wow, mm. that was sc- that was impactful. But the movie's essentially about a poor family. They're all unemployed. Like, the opening scene is them scrambling around the house trying to find a Wi-Fi signal because the one they used got shut off. Mm. Um, and it's, like, about this poor, unemployed family kind of... Uh, enmeshing themselves in the lives of the super rich and wealthy family uh and like basically one member of the family gets a job and then the rest of the family by the end of the movie every single member of this family is working for this rich family but like in ways that they they like they like forced it to happen like it's not like they're like hey i recommend you hire my brother they're like Let's concoct a scenario where they need to hire another person, and that person's you. So it's ah. this like hilarious like movie where they're just constantly like uh, tricking these people, and it has a lot to say about class, and it's really funny, and it's just and like even though I'm saying all these things, like it's about this and it's about that, it is first and foremost such a crowd pleaser. Like it's such mm-hmm. a fun movie to watch, and I know it was already was talking about being picked up for an American remake. And this is one case where I'm like, yeah, the American remake of this movie will be huge because it is just so crowd pleasing to have the premise and like mm. the movie is just so fun to watch and I could totally see this being like a, some, some like, I don't know who's they're going to give it to. Like a, I, think I could see them giving it to like a comic director, like a Todd Phillips type, but I could also see like, I don't know, if they give Jordan Peele this movie. He would fucking crush it um yeah i do think it will get remade but don't don't wait definitely see it it comes out uh i hate doing this when i see movies in advance it comes out in like september october but All right. keep an eye out parasite is top tier movie uh oh, and with, great i yeah, can't wait to see it it's really great and with All that right. let's talk about the main event which is ready as we talked about earlier yeah fox searchlights and disney's <laughs> ready or not um why don't you go ahead? What did you think?
1: You bet. Uh, so Ready or Not, I guess we call it a black comedy, a comedy horror thriller, directed uh, by Matt. Uh, two guys from Radio Silence. I'm not going to say the names. I can't pronounce it. Matt Spettinelli, by
0: Guy... Open, and Tyler Gillett.
1: Fine. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, either of those things. <laughs> um, yeah. So it it, can, it, it uh, did really well at Fantasia International Film Festival. And um, yeah, it's, so uh, yeah. I, a lot of comparisons of, of tone and, and feeling to a movie like uh, You're Next, which uh, we both enjoyed from several years ago. Uh, this movie, it's the wedding night, wedding day and night. A young lady is marrying a guy with a very rich, wealthy family. She's an orphan, fostered home, doesn't have a lot of, a lot of uh, family. Came from meager background to be marrying probably into an incredibly rich family. Oddly enough, a family that has made their wealth with games, like they have some gaming empire, you know, like board games and stuff. Mm. And trying to fit in, they say, yeah, we got this tradition where we play a game at midnight on the wedding night and just like ritual they do. She pulls a car where they got to play hide and seek. The caveat, of course, is that the hide and seek. She has to hide. They got to find her and they're going to try and kill her because they have to sacrifice her by sunrise or something really bad happens and uh you know she's still wearing the wedding dress she's running around the whole you know it's kind of like this the comedy comes from the family being a family and you know the family dynamics of a rich blue blood i guess blue blood's the right word family that's uh you know very dysfunctional very spoiled rich you know lots of old money involved yeah it's uh, very hilarity like
0: uh inherited wealth i feel like that's important
1: so yeah, I mean off, right off the bat I thought the movie was great. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was uh like a perfect fodder for like a fun standalone movie, you know, uh not not too gory, but definitely has its scares. Really good, like you know, we talked about uh man is the deadliest prey uh kind of feel to it, where they're hunting her in this mansion that she can't escape. So I'd like the enclosed area. Uh each person in the family has their own personality and you know, they kind of are off on their own. There's a lot of good, like they separate people in different combinations. You know, you know, everyone's kind of bouncing off each other and fighting and looking for this girl. And even though they're trying to hunt her, they're kind of they're incompetent. I want to point out isn't like they aren't like professional killers. I think the old lady of the family, uh, she's the only one who's done a hunt. Her and 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 the father, like the kids haven't done one before. I don't think, you know. So that like so, there's a lot of jokes of like even though hunting her, they're not. Really good killers themselves. Some of them had to have like these old weapons, like crossbows and old guns that they don't even know how to use. Uh, she's a badass in the film, the main lead. So after running around in this dress and trying to like trying to escape, and she can't. She kind of takes it upon herself to fight back. So it's it's definitely not a golly gee, let's try and kill a uh, a woman sort of movie. If anything, she's she's like the badass out of all of them. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. So it. it what I liked about it is is that um you know a lot of horror comedies fall flat we talk about it in yeah, this podcast about not, it a lot they're not funny or scary like the, the bad humor takes away from the horror and, and the lack of developed horror takes away from the unfunny thing it's like it's like not either but this one definitely has a lot of big laughs and at times is does have some really scary or, or uh, horror is a, a general term it's more of a thriller you know in the right spots and and it has a satisfying ending um, yeah, so overall, I thought it was really great. Uh, definitely, Your Next Vibes is not the same as Your Next, but has that, like, you know, blue blooded family that uh, is just greedy and incompetent. And, and you know, they bring in a, uh, a person who they're kind of talking down to at first, but we see it. what the satisfying is is like, you know, we watch this movie and we're like, oh, I'm her. I'm the person that if I was brought into the situation, I would fight back because what do these rich people know? You know, it, it definitely has that satisfying, you know, lower class defeats uh, uh, upper class. Uh, vibe to it that people just love watching you know no no one ever thinks that they're like the rich spoiled person they're always like yeah i'm the i'm like her i don't like rich people either you know like whatever so it does have a fantasy of just killing rich (laughs) bratty people
0: yes um i agree i thought it was really fun and i i'm just as iffy on horror comedies as you but i do Mm -hmm. think this movie pulls it off because it has that I mean, the humor works for me in the same way that, like, the Tucker and Dale humor worked a couple times. Like, there's yeah. this... Uh, spoiler alert, I guess. There's this really, I thought, really funny running gag where that, like, coked-out lady keeps killing the maids.
1: Uh-huh. Like, yeah. I just
0: love that. And I thought that yeah. the way they handled that was perfect. Like, even though I knew, like, when she got her hand on that bow, I'm like, oh, that bow's gonna kill the second maid for sure. And, like, even yeah. though I knew it was coming... The way the movie played it out, I still thought it was really clever and funny. Yeah. Um.
1: Uh. Yeah. I also liked, um. You, th- you got to think of like the balance of like the comedic moments and the horror moments, and it's it like Dale and Tucker is such a good example because like when you're around Dale and Tucker, it's like funny ish, but then when they kill someone, the kills accidentally or someone dies in the presence, it's so like gory. super gory. Yeah. And they're like, oh fuck! And then from the other point of view, the teenagers that they're that they're. Killing, we'll put that in quotes, sees as, as like, purely a horror situation, you know what I mean? Yeah. And with this, you know, we get that two point of view with the family. It's like they're kind of, you know, they don't get along. They're bickering. They don't know how to use, like, one guy's got a crossbow and he's like, I have no fucking idea how to use this. There's a thing where the girl gets a shotgun and, and the gun is like doesn't work because it's just like decorative you know or, or like display you know it's been discharged or whatever like a lot of those things where you're like oh that, that's funny how that happened but it doesn't take away from the fact that like from the bride's point of view she's being hunted and there's all these scenes of like she's by a door but someone who's looking for her is in the room so she's hiding and she's making noise and we're like is that it or she gets up to the barn and she runs into the little kid and we don't know if this kid is like evil or not because does not really like grasp the concept of what's happening right now and those right. moments where you can flip back and forth because the humor comes from like the incompetence of the family and like the irony of the situation which makes it funny but it's never like the situation is never meant to be made light of I guess so I think like real humans and fucked up horror situations makes it like it makes it funny when it needs to be funny and tense and scary when it needs to be tense and scary.
0: And you know why the movie really works? I think why is that? It's because Samara weaving is so good. I thought she was great in this movie and she was, uh, I think we first saw her probably in a few episodes of Ash vs evil dead. She was in that. And then she showed up as the star of the babysitter and mayhem Two movies I fucking hate. <laughs> Did not find either of them any good. I guess Mayhem's a little better, but still not very yeah. good. But she was charming in both of those, and I was always like, man, I can't wait for her to not be in a movie directed and written by Mick G." Um, yeah. So this time I got my wish, and she is, like, she's a fucking star. She really proves, like, this is a star-turning role for me. I thought she was really great, and she's fucking gorgeous. Not that that yes. matters, but it, she is. Yeah, it, it uh, the little wedding little dress she business. wears is just really cool. I thought, and I like that she's in it yeah. the entire movie. Um, yeah, you
1: see, like her just ripping the parts off of it as like you, you see. I think we did a video about this on Insider, but what was a very effective thing. Is like, yeah, she starts in this wedding dress. And then at the end, it's, like, completely destroyed, obviously.
0: Yeah, like, it has this big, what do you call it, whatever the bottom part is, that, like, is usually really long. And and in some way, halfway through the movie, she cuts it off to be more agile. But it's
1: a perfect visual representation of her change, of going from, like, you know, beautiful bride put on a pedestal, like, hi, I'm, like, almost this dress that represents, like... Hi, I'm here to be part of your family, you know, yeah. kind of like, I mean, I think like a wedding dress in general has a bit of a submissive kind of feel to it. You know, you look at it like, hello, I'm here to be presented to this man to enter his family and be this beautiful uh, thing for him, you know, like traditionally, marriage is like you are now this man's property. And at the end, it's like pretty much brown, red, dripping with blood. She changed her shoes to wearing gym shoes, and like it's just ripped up, and like she's this badass chick with a with a fucking shotgun. Like, yeah, it's it's again that the, the movie has so many nice things, like what we're saying here, like just visual things that like are just very pleasing to watch. The, the, the changes are on so many levels but without like really like hammering at home. Like, yeah, you know, one. One person could just look at this and be like, yeah, it's, uh, you know, they're hunting her and she wins at the end, spoiler alert. But another person could watch it and be like, you know, there's a lot of really like, things happening visually with like the, the characters and, and, and the weapons and how things progress in this movie that are also as satisfying if you're really looking like much deeper stuff. So, yeah, the movie's great.
0: Yeah, and I liked that. I like the. This is a movie where like the social implications it's going for actually work without being strained because I like the idea that like. The literal crux of this movie is that this rich family that this inherited wealth family the mm-hmm. the implication is that they're rich because they quote unquote made a deal with the devil and like mm-hmm. that's kind of the implication that it's like all rich people you know kind of don't deserve what they have and like mm-hmm. it's just a, It
1: goes back to it goes back to like the great grandfather making some deal with a guy that he met. A guy but named more specific,
0: Labelle, yeah. Really interesting. Yeah,
1: LaBelle, yeah. But but more specifically, yeah, to, to what you're saying that whatever riches that guy may or may not have gotten, like everyone in that family has not worked. Like they don't work. They're they're just like like it's old money, you know, and they don't and not only are they, not only are they like so incompetent. Whatever money they have, they didn't earn. Then when it comes time for them to do this ritual of like hunting down this person, they're incompetent and have no idea how to use a gun, swing an axe. Yes,
0: ax. and that's also part of the like, yeah. Look at this. They don't deserve any of it. And yeah, then, and
1: Adrian Brody, who's really good at it. Adrian, he's just, like, uh,
0: Adam Brody. Sorry.
1: Adam Brody, excuse me. Adam Brody of uh, the OC fame, uh, right? He was in the OC. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Uh, he, you know, is kind of has this like cynical detachment to the whole thing. And is just more interesting in walking around and drinking and being like, you know, we don't deserve this or this has that like, is the one of the family who's just being like, has no qualms about it. He's, n- he's not, he's not, no delusions. He's just like, I never earned this money. We're all awful people. Uh, we all act like we're better than people. We all do these traditions that make us seem like we're above a cut above the rest, but like we're not. And I, we're also, actually I also obsessed. like
0: the implication that the way the movie presents the game, it truly is like e- like the way it presents it, it's like this almost didn't happen. Like the other games on the like every time someone gets married in the family, they play this game at midnight and There's the game, game family. Yeah, yeah and the game yeah. is like this thing from the quote unquote the guy who the grandfather made a deal with, which is like implied, I would say, is like it's a deal with the devil type thing. Um, sure. And, and that box like magically tells you what game to play. And mm-hmm. the impl- like it's it, it's basically unless you get the hide or seek game, it is just a normal game. And like so the reason I think that's because the reason in the movie you're like, well, why would this guy let this happen? And it's because her husband did not expect this game to become what it was because he was like yeah. well every time someone else in the family has done it you know it ends up being go fish or whatever other game yeah why don't want to
1: point out that like so like it's there are other people in the family who have married in yeah and this is something that they go about i think there's like four other couples all like got married in and they didn't do it so so this is the first time in a while there's an, if you look at the poster, there's an old lady holding an axe. The last time they did it was her husband who was hunted down and killed. Yeah. Uh, like the guy that he, like we, we start with a little bit of a glimpse of that. Um, yeah, so these people, like, again, like, it, it also, the, the people who married into the family are just as fucked up and it's kind of like, they're they're like yeah we got to do this as tradition yeah it's just like, like I think
0: it, yeah they, they, yes I love that they got lucky and that's like, more they, they got lucky because it wasn't them like yes yeah I would say like, like, that's look, another y- when layer. you married it
1: was, it was a better scenario yeah yeah, yeah. it's not oh, layer yeah, totally, of like yeah.
0: everyone is so willing to just like jump on ju- like uh, jump on the ship if if able to you know like yeah this, forgetting
1: yeah. the fact that it could have been them
0: yeah so like what would this movie look like if Samara weaving they played. Uh, gin rummy instead then yeah. they just would it just would it just she becomes yeah, it a horrible person to be like
1: <laughs> yeah either that or just would it continue to be like you know she her in-laws are maniacs yeah well i, I, I think
0: it's the whole point is to show the the corrupting nature of wealth and i think mm. that the movie does a great job of doing that and i think it does or i should po- also say i yeah. should also say i should also say that
1: yeah in some instance there's corrupting nature but also there was one Wife from the outside the family Who says like I would rather Be dead than lose all this like she's like Almost like the cold, most cold blooded of all The of them. Andy McDowell you know
0: character is that that
1: no, no 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 the one the one uh No the Andy McDowell Like she was a bit she was a bit more like Syphatic. I have to do this yeah, yeah but she's more like I need to protect my family the one she I think she was the dopey guy is Uh uh
0: Adam Brody's oh. wife oh okay No no
1: no 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 was it? oh I guess Adam yeah, Brody's wife yeah. yeah I yeah
0: like, she was um
1: she mentioned that she came from nothing, and she's the kind of person who's like, you know, the the person, in the family, the person, in the group who like pretty much did whatever it took to get into a wealthy family, and will do anything. So you have like people of various degrees of wealth, of like how they got there, or what they're doing with it, like for their own personal gain. Uh, the other wife with the kids, she was more like. You know, she was loopy and dumb, but she, her whole thing was like, "I need to protect my children." Like, th- like, so what? Some people look at it like, "I need to protect myself." Other people are like, "I need this to do this for my kids." Another person, people are like, "This is tradition." And the person's like, "We've worked really quote cool. We've worked
0: really hard for this, and we yeah, need." Yeah, it has it. all the perspectives looked, a rich yeah. family could have, I guess. Yeah, yeah. all
1: the excuses to tell themselves for being awful people. But it, again, it doesn't. It isn't like, and no point is someone like, "Look, you're all like this, and you're just." It's just like this is the characters, what they're like. Yeah. And you see, you see this all play out, which is so much better than, you know, other movies that are really trying and like, like every Into the Dark Hulu movie, yes. that's just pretty much yes. like, we're doing this, and this is well, why, and this is why we're hypocrites. the
0: difference is, I would say this movie is gleefully unsubtle, like there's literally a line, I even read the last line of the movie, which I think, what is the last know, line? She, she says like, the in-laws or something, you
1: know, it's but- It's like, it's a house on fire in like, like, yes in-laws like you know yeah. like kind of she's smoking cigarettes like, you know how they are like Ugh. yeah in-laws. in the
0: original ending the literal last line was fucking rich people like that's uh, a little uh, and uh, even the directors were like that's too on the nose even for us but like that's the general well, feel, you know, you, you, th- feeling yeah, of the movie I, th-
1: I think this movie kind of skates by it not being such a class warfare because people can watch this and be like yeah like we can all agree that in-laws can be difficult or family yes. is difficult
0: which it works is, on- which is, yeah, it works on it's, those. It's p- nice
1: to kind of slide that in like, oh, you know, family dynamics and marrying into a new family, all this crazy shit that happens. But it's like, it's not so much about that. But yeah, that's a no, way that it yeah. just slip past. That, yeah,
0: I think that's right. I think it can just be the uh, body racking up horror movie that you want it to be. It can be the 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 very clever treatise on on society and the corrupting nature of inherited wealth. And it's also just like what you just said. Like it could be any of those things. And it works on every level there. Um yeah, I, I really think it's 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 good. I really liked it. And yeah, definitely think,
1: recommend. Uh I think people will love this movie. Tight movie, tight uh, you know 90. Yeah, yeah it's lean, six million dollar movie. I will uh, say definitely, definitely recommend, um, yeah.
0: full spoiler territory. I mm-hmm. knew I, I figured that at some point during the movie, did you figure that? The curse was real, or did you always think it was? Did you think it was going to end and be like, ah, oh, it's dawn and no, nothing happened? I
1: wasn't sure. I, w- yeah. I I wasn't sure how it was going to end. I think it could go either way. I feel like, because again, drawing the parallel to your next, remember like, I recall correctly after she's pretty much killed everyone and the cops show up, like that old booby trap was accidentally still set up. Yeah. Like I knew, I knew. However, it was going to end, it was going to end on like a high note. Like, obviously, obviously, I was like, well, she's going to survive this. But I I don't want to say I could have I I could have gone anyway. I don't want to say I predicted
0: it because I didn't. But what I did do is I thought of the ending that it ended up being. And I was like, oh, man, I would love if this movie ended that way. And I was delighted that it did. Like I was just as the just as the main character of the movie is giddily laughing during that sequence. I was also like, oh, this is great. Um, yeah. I love that I love that uh, to spoiler alert the ending is they're about to kill her and then they she kind of slips out of the way when they're about to kill her and then it becomes uh, Dawn and because that's the rule. Rise. yeah the sun rises so like I have the rules of the game are you have to kill this person before sunrise and then they don't and then the people, the entire family, one by one, fucking explodes into just yeah, but, gore. Yeah, but what's funny about
1: it is there's a good couple minutes where they are looking at each other being like, because, again, this is the first time this has happened, and they're yeah. like, what the fuck? Why is it like, kind of like, holy shit, were we wrong the whole time? And as it kind of is about to fall apart in the argument, like, I can't fucking believe this didn't, kaboom, or whatever. And they start blowing yes. up one by one. And I love that uh, ending for a couple yeah.
0: reasons, because, one, it is it's it is kind of surprising because I expected, because this movie is like a, you know, kind of a commentary, social commentary type thing. I was like, well, they're probably not going to end it that way because I think it's more pointed to be like, these people's beliefs aren't bullshit. even real. Like, yeah, what the rich yeah. people believe, it's not even worth it. It's literally all a lie. But I think it's even yeah. more clever to be like, eh, yeah, it's a horror movie, so let's just have them explode at the end and have it be real. And I think that, like, yeah, it, it, that, that would have
1: really sucked if we walked away with, like, Turns out it was bullshit the whole time, you know. Like that would have it would have been like, ugh, like Yeah, I would have gotten mean, it
0: from a thematic point. I would have been like, Yeah, okay, I get that. They're believing in false about prophecies this? or whatever. I yeah. don't know.
1: How about this? I guess after I saw the ending or after I saw the movie, I thought, you know, I probably should have picked up on it when she didn't kill anyone in the main family. Yeah. Throughout the whole movie because yep. the way these movies normally go is you kind of one pick them one, off one yeah. by one like you know but the fact that we'd made a pretty – because I remember watching it and like when they – there's a part kind of towards the end where they finally like kidnap her and try to do the ritual. Like it looks up and she's all around – staying all around him. I, I just had a thought of like holy shit like everyone's left. Like wow, like, like just being like like we still got to kill some people here. Like what's going on? So, but if she was actually killing people one by one, then you wouldn't have that satisfying ending of all of them like pretty much begging for their life as they're exploding around each other. You know what I mean? Yeah, that ending. And, uh, it was uh,
0: so it just made it all worth yeah. it for me. I truly bumped it up half a star just for that ending. I really loved it. Yeah. Um, yeah. This. this the, you know what
1: this movie has. Does this, this make no sense? This movie has really good instincts of like what we want to see, how we want the story to go. But it's still like kept like surprising and moving. you yes. know what I mean. Like I, I definitely watching this movie, definitely kind of had that feel of like, uh, like still that anything can happen. I'm not quite sure where this movie's going to go. It's definitely aware of the genre that it falls into, but it plays enough with it to where you don't. Again, Dale and Tucker and Your Next are also perfect examples of like you watch these movies like okay, the filmmakers know exactly what we know. And they're being very playful with that at all the right moments. At no point in any of these three movies was I, this movie or Dale or your next, was I like, I get where this is going. Like, it keeps you on your toes. And it's like a good, like, it's like, so it's exciting. You're like, yeah, 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 here we go, here we go, you know? And yeah, so just a well made movie by people who know what the fuck they're doing.
0: Yeah. And again, that stands out in a summer of mostly Drek. The ending was originally much different, Um, it was Mm -hmm. a lot darker. The director said, tonally, I think probably the only thing it did that didn't fit was this ending. The rest of the tone was what it was. The ending was a lot different. And when we were doing our uh, Grace Hero Pass, we were like, what type of movie do we want? We want people leaving the theater and cheering, not the other way around. So we changed the ending a bit. The original ending. That's good. One of the original ones was Alex did end up stabbing her and killing her and they got away with it. He said, it's much akin to that original ending of Get Out. Referring to the depressing conclusion that was originally filmed that was changed at the last yeah. minute after the election. And he said, uh, Gillett, this is Tyler Gillett or whatever. Uh, it almost traveled precisely the parallel path where it was like we got to the point of making a decision about what the fuck we were going to schedule to shoot. And it was really clear that one version of the movie has the audience leaving cheering and the other has the audience leaving really feeling the same general terror that terror that we're all experience in our daily lives (laughs) anyway yeah and it should be said that the timing was interesting when we got attached to the script and when the script was originally written barack obama was president and when we got involved Mm. with searchlight it was literally the day after trump got elected and the desire Mm -hmm. to make something that dark went away it was like we're living that shit now we don't need to go experience it at the movies let's have the more cathartic version good for them yeah i think that makes sense uh He said, it's funny, we also wanted to do this end tag where we were these two Joe Schmoes walking down this extravagant ballroom like Mar-a-Lago, and they walk into a convention hall, and it's a LaBelle conference, and there's a whole bunch of rich people there to show the expanse of all of it. I mean, because it's what we keep talking about, is that obscene wealth, is it a deal with the devil in and of itself? Uh, It's fun to explore that in a movie like this, where it's like, how can we take the kind of subtext and make it something that's fun? Uh, I am glad it's in that way just because how many movies have ended where it's like the camera pulls back and you reveal that like this small scale thing is actually a large scale thing like yeah. that ending of the invitation gives me chills still because it's such a great sure. reveal but like if this movie did it I would just be like yeah you're cribbing that movie you're cribbing and how many movie how many that weddings
1: that were that day right yeah, it's specific to that family, I feel.
0: It, it. To me, it did feel specific to that family because it was like that game. It had like a whole, another layer to it of like that family mythology of like every family. <laughs> Elizabeth Warren famously got in trouble for this type of thing where it's like her family Sorry. had a tradition of, uh, you know, we're Native Americans. We're like 188th Native American or whatever. And like that's just okay. like a story that gro- you grew up with and you... Like, mm-hmm. internalized. And with Elizabeth Warren, that's exa- what happened with her is, like, that's, like, a family story that, you know, once you fact check it 100 years later, yeah, that family story wasn't so true. But it's not, like, it's not, yeah. you know what I'm saying?
1: Not to the extent that she said, yeah, of course, yeah. Exactly. See, so, yeah, like, the, the that play- to me is, like, it this also- is part
0: of the movie, too. Like, this is part of their story. Well, but, like, it ended up yeah, being true, <laughs> which is fun.
1: And also, it's, it's just, to like, in general, like, the stories that everyone's telling themselves, like... Americans not only about themselves but about like this country like this is the way things are because this is the way we do things this is the way we've done things since the beginning and it's like uh, why you know why do this yeah because this is what we do it's like you don't know, or or we have to do this if we don't we're all gonna die which just kind of calls in the question like says who says these other people who you've never met before who swear it's true. And I know in this movie, like the, the thing is like, Ta-da, it is true, but it also makes you think like, yeah, we do a lot of crazy stuff just cause it's always the way we've done things.
0: Yeah. I don't think that choice to end it that way, like negates any of the things it was saying about those. Two, not you know at all. Saying? Like, I think it, it just does it cause it's a fun movie, but like everything it's said is still valid. Yeah. I agree with that.
1: Yeah. All right. So, uh, two thumbs up for, uh, yeah. <laughs> for, uh, ready or not. Uh, definitely, it's in theaters now. Check it out. Uh, I don't know why you would have listened this much if you hadn't seen it yet, because now I've totally ruined it for you. Yeah, sorry. But uh, yeah, um, so go see it again. Maybe I'll
0: read the hunt this week, so we can talk about the differences if you care to. I think I send it to you. Um, but yeah. what else is happening? Is anything coming out next next week? Excuse me, I almost burped there.
1: I have no idea, oh. but keep. In mind- All right, but keep in mind that I am leaving. <laughs> I will be out of commission uh, starting the 5th until I'll send you the date. So I'm going to be gone for a couple more episodes. So you got you got to start finding some guests.
0: Oh, you know what I could talk about next week if I finish it? Uh, are that? you watching Mindhunter? We haven't talked about it yet. I,
1: only, I only watched the first episode, but I haven't, I haven't finished it yet.
0: Yeah, I watched the first two. It's a little slow going, but uh, I'm into okay. it. All right, yeah. figure it out. We'll figure it out next week. Uh, thanks for listening. Definitely. Bye. Thanks for listening, y'all.
1: I've learned that death is not the end of the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. I was hoping you'd be back.